We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yes, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Dayas. At Nick Dayas 10 is where you can find me. Veteransminimum.com is you can find everything for the show. Recording live out the Blue Wire studio here in fabulous Las Vegas. Shout out to the win. Shout out to the guys in the booth. And shout out to my guest. I'm excited to talk to this guy right here. Someone who, it's always weird, like calling someone like a fan. Well, we became friends now. We talk often. Luke Sylvia, a fan of VM, now has his own podcast with Blue Wire as well. The Sixth Man Show on Orlando Magic Podcast. Luke, I appreciate you coming on so last last minute to pull the curtain back. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, I've been wanting to come on the show ever since you said some wild things about my guy Nikola Vucevic uh, <laughs> back. Uh, it was probably a couple of years ago now, right? Like you were just talking. I think it was on the show. You posted a clip, and I was like, "There's no way I let him get away with this." You're talking about All Star Weekend and how people, you know, they want to they go there to meet and connect and with players, and how nobody would ever want to play with Vucevic. And then DeRozan tells us he's the main reason he's playing with him in Chicago. He went to Chicago. We want to play with Vuce. Trojans. So I, I felt vindicated. I can't lie. But I've wanted to come on the show ever since you said that, for sure. All right. So hold on. I got to I gotta add to that because you're right and you're wrong. The thing, my comments were that if I'm going to All-Star Weekend and I got a chance to hang out with someone, it's not going to be Vucevic because he's not cool. Like Vucevic is not like, he's not cool. He doesn't have swag. He's like very vanilla. You know what I mean? Like if I'm going to go to All-Star Weekend and I'm an All-Star, I want to hang out with someone dope. I want to chill with LeBron. I want to chill with Steph. Maybe I chill personally with Giannis so I could talk to him in Greek and shit. Well, I'm not going there and like, oh, you know who I'm excited to hang out with and grab dinner? Vucevic. That's what I was saying. Hey, hey you should you should be. All right. They they because I somewhere along the lines, I took it as nobody wants to connect and, and play with Vucevic to like connect to like let's link, play on the same team. I don't know how. It's been a while since I've seen the clip. I could just be remembering how I want to, but that's that's how I took it. That's all right. Hey, man, tell, tell the people a little bit about what your show's about. 
Yeah, so all about uh, the Orlando Magic. Been doing it for a couple of years now. Uh, my co-host Jonathan Osborne started it uh, like three years ago now. So uh, I hopped on about a year into the show. So you needed somebody, and we're all about the Orlando Magic, man. We've been making really great strides here in the as a show here recently. Obviously, the last year, I think it's been over a year now. We partnered, uh, got on board with Blue Wire. So shout out Blue Wire. We uh, have been really enjoying it. All the connections that you get through Blue Wire, man. Uh, we're, we're just happy to be here. We've seen a lot of stuff, you know, double here recently in the last year as well. Uh, just been incredible, but yeah, all about the Orlando magic. And, uh, we, we really are having a great time right now. That's dope, man. And I know you in particular, we've, uh, we've had conversations like through social media and whatnot. And then we exchanged numbers a couple of years ago and we've kind of become friends as well. So when I saw you enter in the podcast space, I know how like committed and passionate you are to things. Cause it, ta- it takes a while to grow a fan base, man. And especially, like, I uh, I like that you're covering a team that, one, you care about or else you wouldn't be talking about them. But also, like, I, I give props to people that cover teams that win, like, 20 games a year. Because I used to do that, too. Because, <laughs> dude, it's hard, it's hard to create content that you're enthusiastic about, that you care about, when you have to go and talk about a team on a seven-game losing streak or a team that their star got hurt. Like, dude, I did that with chat. I used to work with chat sports. I used to do a video once or twice a week. It would depend. Like, if it was football season, I was doing two a week, and especially when the NBA started. But I was covering the Knicks and the Giants for about two years. And it was, like, the first time that I was able to venture off on my own and make some money in content creating. But, yo, it was awful, dude. Like, trying to get excited to talk about the Knicks when Porzingis blows out his knee. And then I, I got to talk about guys that shouldn't even be in the NBA winning 17 games. It's like, all right, here, let's do another fake trade video. How can they get Giannis? Oh, there's a big Greek community here in Queens. Yeah. Maybe that's enticing. Like, And then with the Giants, right. and I was covering them. And look, those are my two favorite teams, I would say, the Knicks and the Giants. I'm covering the Giants 2017, 2018. They're winning three games. As It's as, as hard to talk about that. So I always commend people that that cover a team like the magic like the thunder maybe if you're covering the houston texans like i give you props man because it's hard to create content for those kind of teams well but we were talking with uh with alex kennedy here recently at basketballnews.com like a couple weeks ago man we had him on our show and just talking to him and he was like it is it is so much better now like the media has kind of shifted back to uh, or to the just in general for the first time maybe where you they they welcome you know fans of teams to cover like the, they just provide so much better coverage. We say it all the time like the national media does not cover the magic as well as our show covers the magic. It just they don't they don't have time to watch all eighty two. You're telling me they watch eighty two? They don't like there's just not enough time out there for them to cover all of these sports and these teams. We're able to do it like we we watch all eighty two. It, it says something, right? Like we're able to hop on the pod and record something, you know, after game number 42 of the season and we've lost six straight. Like we're, we're still getting on the pod and we're recording something. Something's getting out the next morning regardless. We don't miss. We're consistent. Like there, there's something to be said about, you know, fans of teams covering their team and the value that they provide, man. Dude, you, you, you hit the nail on the head there. I've always said that if you could be rational as a fan, then you can bring a lot of insight to a team. Like, because you're right. Like, me personally, I would say, like, veterans minimum is more of a general and, and like, national 
kind of podcast. I don't, I'm not hyper-focused on one specific team or sport really, which is why I built out the show the way I did. Cause I never wanted to do that because of my experience with covering certain teams the way I did. So for me with the talking to people that cover a specific team, when there's a big story is dope because you're right. Like even with a lot of people watch NFL on Sunday through red zone. And I've had these conversations with people here at the studio, how you can't get a feel for what the game is going to be like. So now I have four different monitors, tablets, my phone, watching games and seeing the flow. And I feel like I've become a better football fan by doing that. And when it comes to the NBA, like, yeah, I don't know the magic as well as you do because I don't watch the magic as much as you do because they're not on national TV that much. But now what I started doing last year was, you know, that Tuesday Pistons magic game that's on before the TNT games. It's like, all right, let's watch a little bit. Let's get some Sadiq Bay. My buddy Josh is a huge Pistons fan. Like he raves about him, right? Cade is coming off the injury. This is, you know, talking about last year. Like you start to learn more about teams when you're actually watching them. And it, it seems so like simple to say though. But I, I hear what, what you're saying as far as getting people that cover a team and talk about a team as as much as you do, like with the Magic. Yeah, man. And and you sent me like, you know, you were like, hey, man, can you hop on the show? Here's what I want to cover. I obviously, I I have a Magic thing in there, obviously. But I did so much more like prep work even in the weeks leading up to not necessarily me even knowing I'll be on the show. But just talking about NBA in general. You do so much more prep work when you're prepping for, about talking about other teams. With the Magic, I can just turn the camera on and we can go. I, I you know, like I, I know the averages, I know the splits, like, like easy. But then you sit down and you think about other teams. You're like, man, I need to really do my research if I want to even seem like I know what I'm talking about. Um, and that's just the way it goes. But, but yeah, man, excited that uh, you have me on the show here, and uh, excited to really just talk NBA. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a NBA preview show. We got some like best bets, some MVP picks, finals picks. And then also I have within those talking points of the teams of the players, I do have questions that I would like answered or, you know, a, a follow up to it just to have a conversation about these things. I want to start with this. This particular season in the NBA, I personally think that the NBA is getting harder and harder from a betting perspective, to really handicap season-long win totals and MVPs. Maybe not so much championships, because for the most part, you you have an idea of what a team is going to look like later on. But as far as like regular season stuff, I think this is the most difficult it's ever gotten because more and more guys are just taking time off. Uh, obviously, guys get injured, right? That's part of the game. but there, this load management and not playing guys on a back-to-back. I think a lot of the top guys the last couple of seasons, on average, they're missing anywhere from 12 to 18 games. That's a, that's a pretty big sample size, dude. That's about a quarter. If you're missing about 18 to 20 games, that, that's a quarter of your season. There was the MVP award a couple yeah. of years ago with, with Jokic, the first Jokic year, where he, he was an MVP and he won it. But it was also because he played, what, 80 of the 82 games and everyone else was like, oh, they played 65, he played 68. Like, that's a big part of it. So how do you feel about that with, or do you think that's even the case with players and them sitting out? Yeah. 
Well, you've seen the last couple of years, right? Like, you, you know, you just as this becomes more and more of an, of a, is it, I don't know if it's an issue because it is good for you to, you know, take care of like players. It's just shifted so much more towards players taking care of their bodies. Right. That's what it boils down to. Kawhi Leonard. Like when's the last time he got close to 82 games, right? Like we have dubbed him the, the king of load management. So it's just, it, we've gotten into that era where people are, players are more concerned about their worth, their body, not so much necessarily the team as bad as that sounds, but, and I, I get it. Like it's something that I'm like, nah, if there's something to be selfish about, it probably should be like your body, right? Like where, where you come in and all that as far as your health. So it definitely makes it harder, but you do also have respect for the guys that are still playing 75 to 82 games every season rain or shine that those guys are going to play so it's it's become the norm a little bit to for that load management and i do think absolutely like you, it is so hard to know with like the clippers i'm not touching a, a win total for them i'm not doing it they like, i i can't do it i have no idea what's going to happen who's going to sit out him and pg like it's hard to know well i love that you mentioned the clippers because i think i think the clippers are one of the more fascinating teams in the league because they got a lot of depth. They have a lot of unknowns too. Like, yeah, it's dope when you look at the roster and you look at the projected starting five. Like I always have the five, 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 five thing that I talk about. Where it's like, it's game five, you're on the road. There's five minutes left. You're down five. What's the five that you have out there? Like that crunch time lineup, right? A lot of people just say like, what's the crunch time lineup? I, I like pointing at the, the five 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 thing, right? And off the bench, you could bring Reggie Jackson, Norman Powell, Luke Kennard, who's coming off a career career year shooting threes. Terrence Mann, who like Terrence Mann, he'll never be a fantasy player for you. He won't excite you, but he's a playoff guy. Like Alvarado on the on the Pelicans. He's a dude who you could put yeah. him out there in the playoffs for 20 minutes and it's not gonna go completely to shit. Like they're guys that in big stages. They, it's the moment isn't too big for them. You got Covington and then the, the starting lineup. You got Paul George, Kawhi, one of the Morris brothers, Zubak, and, and John Wall, who is coming back. Is, yeah, it's, it's hard to, to project what he could be because we know what he's been in the past, but also now there's a lot more wear and tear. There's the Achilles of the knees, the back, and all that. So for them to be one of the favorites to win the West, I don't know if I agree or if I feel if I feel that way. Like the talent is there for sure, but is it fair to just be questioning the unknown with them? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you bring up John Wall. I mean, you saw like him hitting a Dougie probably a, a, a couple of weeks like a week ago maybe for preseason. I think it was preseason, it might have been like shoot around or something training camp. But you, you, you get the excitement with the Clippers, man. You had all the young Clippers guys. Like, they obviously look up to John Wall and who he was as a player, you know, as when they were growing up. And just to see him do something that definitely embodies, like, young John Wall, it was electric. It was electric. And I, I just smiled at my phone for, like, a minute while I watched it, like, multiple times. So I, I hope the best for John Wall. I hope that he does show out. I like the Clippers this year, man. I like them. So I, I'm, I'm not down on them. When it comes to regular season, and load management, absolutely. I'm not touching, like I said, I'm not touching a win total, but I think I think I like what they're able to do production wise come postseason. Yeah, I kind of I agree with you. I'm kind of in the same boat. Like regular season, 
I have like a dark horse MVP dart that I'm going to throw out in a little bit when we get to MVP. But for the most part, I think win total, I'm staying away from. They're also so battle-tested, most of those guys. And you have the coach that's been there and done that also. And they have a lot of experience where I don't think them being a top seed is a top priority. Like historically, you always see teams that chase the top seed or a top two seed are the younger teams. Like you saw Memphis last year finish as a two seed. You've seen years past, it was Utah going for the top seed. Denver has been a top. Like these young teams, they want to have the game seven at home as opposed to going on the road. Where some of these grizzled teams like LeBron with the Cavs, like whatever, man, we'll be, we'll be the four seed and then we'll sweep Toronto. Right? Golden State, they didn't care. The Lakers didn't care. Even though it was a bubble year, they didn't care. They kind of benefited from that also. But for the most part with the Clippers, like as I look at the odds, these, these are consensus odds for the most part. They're the, they're the third favorite behind the Celtics and the Warriors to win the title. And there's something I do want to mention, and I've mentioned this in the past when it comes to NBA Finals winners. This idea that you're going to find a team that's 40 to 1, 50 to 1, to win an NBA Finals is borderline impossible. Since 2000, since 2000, do you know how many, how many teams off the top of your head would you guess have had double-digit odds that have won, a, won the Finals? Since 2000? Since 2000, yeah. Uh, we're going to go seven. No, five. You're right with seven. You're right seven. with seven. Seven. Wow. So since 2000, you've had the 03 Spurs. Now, I'm going to throw a little caveat to sort of support my, my, my case here of you're not going to find no crazy long shot to win it. All these teams that we're mentioning went on to win multiple titles. This was the beginning of a run. This right. wasn't a one-off with the exception of one team, right? So you got the Spurs in 03, 11 to 1. You got the 04 Pistons, 15 to 1. You got the 08 Celtics, 10 to 1. You got the Mavericks in 2011. They were 20 to 1. Then you got the Spurs again in 2014 at 12 to 1. The highest odds in the last, since 1985, were the Golden State Warriors in 2015. But again, the following year, they were the favorite. And yeah. then they won two titles after that. And then you had the Raptors in 2019 at 18 to 1. So this idea of, oh, I'm going to take a stab on like the Cavaliers or I'm going to take a stab on the Knicks, which, uh, you know, just throwing it out there. But like, <laughs> you're not, right? You're not. For the most part, yeah. the winner is going to come from one of these six teams. Celtics, Warriors, yeah. Clippers, Bucks, Nets, Suns. Mm -hmm. And then after, yeah. I mean after that, it's like you got a lot of teams that you can throw a lot of question marks at. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I don't know how you feel about the Lakers. They're obviously not in that, the odds conversation, right? Like, if they're actually gelling, which I, I don't, I'm not convinced of, but, like, that's a team that maybe you throw a little bit on, right? Like, they're a long shot. But if you could see if like the stars align and everybody's like happy with each other, which is also a long shot, that you know that might be a team you take a stab at. But that, I mean, that's to your point, right? It all kind of contributes that narrative of it's hard to bet. 
on the NBA in terms of futures and and those sorts of things because Vegas kind of has it nailed and the, the the good teams you have seven game series in general like we're at seven game series in every round now it's hard to really to have many Cinderella stories when it comes to it well i think the lakers are the most compelling team in the league obviously it's the lakers right but got a lot of characters on that team man and Anthony Davis now coming back how long is he going to be available for LeBron is 38 like I'm not going to bet against LeBron just because he's it's been sustainable for so long but also it's it's 38 right like he's creeping up on this is why we've never seen someone at that age still performing at the level that he's performing the the Westbrook stuff coming off the bench and whatnot, Pat Beverly being inserted, which I kind of like Pat Beverly. He's always been a guy, another guy, like a he's a playoff guy. He's going to be able to not let the moment get too, too over him. I think this team is better than what it was last year. And I think Russ, if he could come to his senses and understand that, yo, it's not a demotion, like the coach said. It's not a demotion you coming off the bench. Like, that's a legitimate spot. And coming off the bench is like, yeah, you don't start the game. But, dude, Manu was a guy off the bench. And he was always there closing out games for the Spurs. Like, just because you're not starting doesn't mean you're not a starter. Like, if you're still going to p- play yeah. north of 35 minutes, what difference does it make? That's still starter minutes. Right. Like, so, why not if you're going to help the team? And then you could run, you could run your Thunder stuff that you were doing where everything goes through you when you come in and run the second unit. I think it's a no-brainer for Westbrook. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, so just to kind of shed light on just embracing your six-man role, we had we had Terrence Ross on the podcast um, who, like a week or two ago now, but he is someone who has embraced like the six-man role. Don't get me wrong. There's years this Magic team has been pitiful for the most part since he's been there. There's years where you're like, man, T. Ross could really be a starter. But we talked to Terrence about it. And he was like, man, at this point, and what I've done with the Magic is like, whatever you say, coach, whatever you say, I'm going to do. And I'm going to do, you know, th- to the best that I'm able to. And and I think that that's like really how you earn the trust of your your teammates. You talk about like Russ and Pat Bev, like how is that dynamic going to work? We've seen some weird clips from preseason. We saw the other the other game where, you know, Pat Bev's trying to call them all together and Russ kind of shakes them off and, and shrugs them off. Like there, there's things like that. Embracing that six man role really goes a long way. I think not only with, for the production on the court, but also with your teammates. And that's what Russ should be focused on is making sure his teammates have his back because he, he's very divisive. We know that, but we've also heard from guys like Brad Beal who have said, Russ is one of the best teammates I've ever had in Washington. So who knows what to believe, but Russ definitely needs to get in line and just, Play that six-man role to his best of his ability. Like you said, run back that that stuff that maybe we get some vintage Westbrook this year because he embraces it and he runs that OKC stuff this year. Dude, when he first went to the Lakers, it was one of like the worst takes. It ended up being one of the worst takes I ever had, but I thought it was like it was such a regular season addition bringing him in because you know LeBron is going to sit out. Anthony Davis is going to be injured. Like That's just the MO of, of Anthony Davis at this point. You just know he's going to miss time. So my thinking was this Westbrook deal was a regular season move so that when LeBron needs to sit, when AD isn't available, you can let him go out there against a team like the Pelicans or like a Pistons or the Magic. Sorry to throw your team under the bus. You know, we could throw throw the Knicks under the bus too. 
Like you're playing these teams. Be better. Yeah. <laughs> you're playing these teams that are inferior to you and you can have Westbrook do his thing and go get his triple doubles and it could get you wins in the regular season. And I felt like it was going to be worse for them come playoff time, how you were going to be able to navigate that. But I think at this point, he just, the Lakers just got to do something, man, because they don't really have a plan. Yeah, yeah. Which is also like, it's going to be difficult. They have a, what is it, 44 and a half win total? I think I see. It's it's not that high. It's relatively low for a LeBron-led team. So. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, last year were 33. 45 and a half, my bad. I think though. Yeah, everybody's everybody's uh, doubting the Lakers, but I think it's rightfully so. It's kind of like a you need to prove it type of thing, which is interesting. Like LeBron is has been, you know, was the best in the league for so long, and now it's being debated, obviously. And he, I I wouldn't say he's the best in the league at this point, but his impact might be the best. Like if if everybody is on board and he can bring them together, uh, we'll see. Going from thirty three wins to surpassing that that win total that it's at now. It's tough, but I also could see it. I mean, if, if like I said, if the stars align, they can get their stuff together, maybe it is something they can do. Yeah, there's always a team, and it seems to be two teams from each conference that they blow their win total by like 10, 12 games. Last year was Memphis. Mm. It was also the Cavaliers as well. So maybe maybe it is the Lakers. Maybe it is. We'll 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 have to wait and see. Let's dive into win totals, though. Like I have, I have three here that I would say are my my favorite picks and my best bets, and one of them is also going to tie into a sleeper team that I have. But staying with the West, I think for me, the under on the Phoenix Suns at fifty two and a half is one that I'm really looking at. Last year, Luke, they won sixty four games. I don't know what to make of them because Chris Paul he had to battle injuries last year. I wish they would have added another guard to their roster to take some of that stress level off him and Booker to handle the duties of the guard position when they're, you know, they need to come off the bench or go to the bench, I should say. I think this stuff with the owner is really wacky. And I think that's going to be a distraction because you know the players are going to have to answer that shit all the time. Every new city they go to, the media is going to put microphones in their face and be like, oh, what do you think of what happened? Or what's happening here and who's going to buy the team. So that's just a distraction that they're going to have to deal with. And then the last thing for me, Luke, and then I'll let you comment on what you think about the Suns. They had a, it was a rough out that they had in the playoffs last year. Uh, complete no-show at home to a team that you were favored to beat by, what was it, nine points they were in that game? A team that they were better than. And then Luka just went ballistic. And the Mavericks end up beating them. And it was just an ugly, ugly collapse for them in the playoffs. And last year, like I said, 64 games. I don't think it's the same team. Last year, coming into the season, everyone was trying to find who's going to be this year's version of Phoenix from the year before. I was like, why can't it be Phoenix? They're running everyone back. Why not? And I, I, don't, I don't see it with Phoenix coming into this year. I, I'm. I think I, I, I'm going to give you some pushback. I okay. think that the Suns, I think their regular season, like just chant like tryhards. I think that's what they are. I think like I'm not betting on them to win a finals or even make the Western Conference Finals. 
But if anyone's going to just like be a tryhard and, and, and win as many games as they can, you got guys that, you know, they're really still trying. They probably feel like they're still trying to prove themselves, especially after they get knocked out last year, uh, you know, against, against Dallas and Luca, who I'll talk about later. But yeah, I, I think that, that I just think that they, they try hard. They don't, they, that's all there is to it. Like in the regular season, if you have the talent and you have the guys that are going to push the limits and they can perform missing a guy here and there, I think the Suns, I, that's just one that I'm going to stay away from. Just be, And I wouldn't be surprised either way. But I am worried that based on the output they've had the past two seasons, they had, what, 51 wins two seasons ago. Last season, they you know surpassed the 60. It's like they just get better. And, and they want to prove themselves. They're young. D-Book has a chip on his shoulder at all times. So I I wouldn't be shocked either way. I agree with most of what you're saying, but I, I'm looking at Chris Paul, 37 now. Slowed down in the playoffs. Maybe the other guys, since they are younger than him, way younger than him, they care more about the regular season, but... I think Chris Paul at this point, like he's trying to win a championship. This team is still good. They're still one of the best teams in 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 the West. I mean, if you're just looking at it off the win totals, they're telling you that they're expecting them to be a good team. But I don't know, man. I think I think between the collapse and Chris Paul's age and not having more depth at the guard position, I think that could be something that kind of hinders them throughout the regular season. Is there? Yeah, I mean, maybe. Maybe you wanted to add something. I, I was just gonna add, like, as far as CP goes, he plays seventy games two seasons in a row with OKC and Phoenix. Played sixty five last year. He's so methodical that I don't know, like, I don't know if age is really going to play a huge part in his drop off when it happens. He's a, he, he had almost eleven assists a game last year, which was his best um, since two thousand eight. Like he's just very methodical. He's going to find his places. He's like just patient running backs. That's what I would equate him to. Like he just picks his spots. He knows when to shoot, like to shoot the gap. Like he can do it all in terms of that restore and facilitating, man. And and I just think that as a result, like yes, his points might take a dip, but I don't know. I, I still believe in his ability to facilitate. Aver- averaging eleven assists basically at thirty six year old years old is stupid. Like that is so ridiculous, and I think that he's just gonna continue to be able to do it. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if CP3 is gonna be the issue, but but we'll find out. I mean, the NBA it's a narrative driven league, and uh, th- this is one that I'm looking forward to for sure. Give me one of your win total plays that you like. All right, I'll start with the homer. Okay, <laughs> I'll start with the homer. I'll, I'll talk it through. I Magic are set at 26 and a half wins. Uh, I'm not going to say that I'm hammering the over because I'm not doing it. It's the Magic. I understand that part. But you look at it last year, man. Magic won 22 games last season. We're the most injured and youngest team in the league. So 26 and a half, they were at 22 like just last year. You add the number one pick. Markel Fultz is back for hopefully a majority of the season. Last year, he comes in late. J.I., uh, Jonathan Isaac, is going to be back this season. We've not seen him in, what, two years? So if you're telling me that a 22-win team from last season who was actively tanking can't surpass 26.5 wins, what are we talking about? Like, I, I think that it's absolutely feasible that this team can surpass that mark. So it's, 
It's funny that I ended up having you on the show because I felt like there were two teams in the East whose odds to make the playoffs really jumped out to me. One of them were the Magic. And then the other one were the Detroit Pistons. There's always like a team that kind of like, no one really saw the Cavs doing what they did. Right. Right. So like there's always a team that, that takes like a wild leap. Now I'm not saying that they're going to be a top four seat, but to sneak in and potentially grab like the seven or the eight seed or be in the playing game. And then, you know, we've seen crazier things happen in those play, playing games. The thing with the, with the magic is, would you say that they're a year away from being a year away? That's like a popular saying when it comes to these young right. teams. I, I think, yeah, I mean, I think you've still got, like, I, to be honest, the Magic have been so injury riddled the last few years that I am hesitant. And that's why I'm not hammering the over 26 and a half just solely because of injury. But yeah, I mean, they could be definitely, they might use this year to acclimate Palo. Um, and then the next year you see his huge jump, but at the same time, man, Franz Wagner looks good for those who paid attention to Eurobasket. He was like the face of Germany for Eurobasket when it came down to it. So I think that there's just so much room and you guys see, I'm wearing a shirt that says "Win daddy uh, with goggles on it. That's Wendell Carter jr. <laughs> I'm just all in on, on, on the young core of this team. I obviously do the podcast, but they are a team that excites me. They're a team that, like, unlike a, a couple seasons ago, I'd be like, oh, man, I don't really care to turn on the TV tonight. Even though the, the roster was more talented, the potential is through the roof with these guys, man. So I, I'm I'm all on board with them. Markel Fultz is, does more and brings more to the team than really people want to give him credit to because they only watch the box scores. They didn't – They you know, I've heard a lot of crazy things about, said about Markel Fultz in the offseason people saying stuff about Cole Anthony being the starting point guard. And it's like, no, if you watched last year, you obviously just looked at averages and splits and stuff, but he was only playing 20 minutes a game when he came off injury. He did that all year. He finished the year playing 20 minutes a game. He'll be ramped up to what? 28, 29 minutes this year, at least. I, I think that this team is going to take a, a pretty big leap. Um, and I hate not knowing if it's just me being a homer or, or am I actually legitimate with the take of the magic possibly hammering that 26 and a half wins over. Well, the the thing about the Fultz conversation is it's the, it's the stigma of being the top pick and it not working out for you. It's just going to be attached to him the rest of his career. And for the people, like okay. you said, who don't watch the Magic as much as you do, and national media, they open up their apps and they look at the box for, like, ah, he ain't it, right? That's, it's the biggest issue I find with NBA talking points and NBA content. Like to me, I'll always buy stock on a lottery pick, especially a top five lottery pick who is let go after like two or three seasons. Or it's like an ultimate buy low. Because like, dude, this guy's he's 18 years old coming into the league, 19 years old. And then you add the fact that he gets hurt right away. Like, yeah, of course he hasn't physically blossomed into what you wanted him to be. It's just something that you got to give these dudes time, man. I talk about that shit all the time. Bro, I'm 31 years old. If I all of a sudden stumble to $10 million, I'm going to do some dumb shit too. I can't imagine if I was 19 years old and I get thrown millions of dollars my direction. Like, yeah, you're, you're probably not going to be taking it as serious right away. And then a couple of years into your 
career. That's why you see it's always that year three, year four leap that a lot of the guys that are next end up taking. And it's the same thing like in the NFL too. Like a lot of these players, they come in so young into the league. And I think Fultz is just going to have that stigma with him. And, and many Fultz. Like there's guys, like the list goes on and on. Like, dude, Andrew Wiggins was in this conversation up until last year when he wins the title with the Warriors. It's like, oh, shit, look how good Wiggins could be when he's not given the keys to the entire franchise at 19 years old and he's playing in a better situation. That's the whole thing, man. Everything is adding yeah. context and you being put in the right place at the right time. Is the infrastructure right? Is the owner right? Is the coach not a dick? Is the manager running shit the right way? Like, it goes a long way in, in all that. So to to have to use Fultz as an example because he's on the magic and we're talking about this right now, to me it's I root for guys like that and I buy stock on on guys like that. So I'm hoping he can definitely ball out this year. And also with Paulo, man, Paulo just I think Paulo Paulo has it. Like the way he carries himself, yeah. the way he his swagger, like that's that's a guy who I think is going to come into the league and immediately he'll be able to score. That's how, that's how I see him. Like, right away, he'll be able to get buckets. And then you deal with that. Like, if he's giving you 20 a night, which I really think he could, then, then you can have him fall into place with everything else that you want him to do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, this team, I think that this is, this is the, honestly the, the season, personally, that I think happens for the Magic. And then we're able to look back at this season when the Magic, you know, a few years down the road are, are not laughed at anymore. And you can say like, this is the season that it started. They got Palo, they got healthy, right? J.I. Markel, like you got them back and, and we'll see what happens, man. But like I said, all it boils down to, you're telling me that with those situations, adding Palo and getting healthy, this team can't win five more games than last year. I watched, I've watched guys like Ignis Brasdakis end games for the Magic late in the season because of a tanking effort. I'm hoping I don't have to watch that this year. So I just think that it's, for me, if it's a no-brainer, I'm obviously a homer. But on paper, it makes sense to me. I want to pivot over to the Pistons because that's a team that I have a, I have a bet on. They're also one of my sleeper teams. Am I crazy for liking the Pistons, Luke? Am I crazy for looking at the 29 and a half and think that this is a 30-win team at the worst? I like their roster, dude. Yeah, I mean, you look at it and uh, listen, Sadiq Bey walked into the Amway in Orlando last year and dropped 51 on our heads. So I can't say too much about Sadiq Bey and the Pistons. That's negative. Um, What, they went 23 last year? One game more than the Magic? They're kind of in the same space, right? Opening night is going to be exciting. For the Pistons in general and for the Magic, Wednesday night, it's number one pick Cade Cunningham against number one pick Paolo Bancaro. So, like, there's definitely going to be that narrative, too, throughout the season to look at, the number one picks of the past two years and how they're producing. But I think the Pistons have a lot of young, exciting things happening. You said you have a, a buddy that is very in tune as a huge Pistons fan. I'm sure he's telling you. Did he, did he play any part? Like, has he been talking to you about the Pistons about Hey, like kind of how I am about the magic. Has he been doing that with the Pistons for you? Yeah, with Sadiq Bay, he's a stan. He 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 has a jersey, he has merch, like that that's his guy. So he's he's definitely yeah. but again, like he's so it goes into the conversation we were having before about people that cover 
certain teams and how there's a market for that and why people are brought on to talk about the Magic or the Hurricanes or whatever team you want to talk about. And the reason why is because if I do have friends that are wild, irrational with their teams, like I got one friend, he got the Jet logo tatted on him every year. He Super Bowl, like, yo, how you, we can't win 12 games? I'm like, no, you can't win 12 <laughs> games. Like, where, where do you see 12 wins on your schedule? You know, it's rough, rough timing now talking about the Jets with them being four and two. But right. I have friends that are wild, irrational with their teams. I've always been pretty honest with my assessment of my teams. That's why, like, I'm, I'm laughing my ass off at the Giants being five and one. Like, I can't believe it, but I'm savoring every moment of this. So he's, he's one of the friends that I have that follow. Like, he goes to Pistons. Anytime the Pistons are in town in New York, he goes to all the games. He, he has league pass for the Pistons. He watches the Pistons the way we watch Red Zone. Like, he's, he's glued to the TV. And his, he's someone that I do go to when it comes to, like, talking about them. So has he had a little bit of an influence? Yeah. But also, he's someone whose opinion I definitely respect. He's been on the show, too. Shout out to Josh. But I want to mention the projected starting five, right? You got Cade. Jaden Ivey, who a lot of people were like, yo, might be the best player in the draft, like, as far as, like, ready now and can make noise immediately as a starter. Sadiq Bey. Again, Bagley, man. I think new, new, new fit, new place. It's a buy-low situation for a guy who is, is forever going to be tied to being one of the worst draft picks of all time because... You look at what went around him. It's just, he's always going to be looped in with those guys. And then coming off the bench, you got Alec Burks, who I saw him with the Knicks. He's dope if you're not relying for him to be your starter. Like, that's where you're like, oh. Burks off the bench is nice, but Burks as your starter for 50-plus games is where the issue lies. Killian Hayes, Corey Joseph, you get the veteran presence there. And Bogdanovich, too. So... Yep. I think this team could be, I think they're going to frustrate a lot of people. Like, they're a young team that I think, going back to the trying hard and playing hard, like what you said about the Suns, they check them and the Magic, dude. They check, you guys check a lot of the boxes of a team that's going to be just, like, annoying to have to deal with. Yeah. I mean, and not to mention, uh, as well, for the Pistons, you got Jalen Duran. Um, the big man out of Memphis, like he, what I'm looking at kind of their preseason against Memphis dude had 12 rebounds. Like, I don't care who you are. There's a spot in the league for you. Andre Drummond showed us that too. Like there's a spot in the league. If you could, you'll get a chance and an opportunity. If you'll just go get rebounds as a big man. And so I, I think he adds a lot too, to the Pistons. I definitely don't hate that. Pick. I think there are, there's a lot of young, exciting talent in the NBA that, you could be willing to take a stab at and throw a dart at an, an over on a win total just in the, in the chance that like they're this year's Cleveland Cavaliers. We're seeing it so often now, like where teams just like the Memphis Grizzlies take a huge step as a young team that was developing. Like there's a, there's a blueprint now laid out really for this era of the NBA finally. And I, I, I have no problem with, with taking the Pistons over win total for sure. Well, the thing with Memphis and I think like, I hear what you're saying and I agree to, I agree with that to an extent, but like Memphis has jaw. Like they have an all NBA right, they have the guy. Yeah, exactly. So it's easier for you to take that leap when you do have a guy like that. I don't know if we don't know. I, I should say, we don't know if Cade could be that guy yet. 
maybe that's why I do think ultimately we'll be having a better conversation about the Magic and the Pistons next season. Because if we leave this season saying, yo, Paolo might be that dude, Cade might be that dude. Whereas with Memphis, you saw that John Morant was going to be a megastar. And he is. I think he's like, right now, dude, I feel like John Morant is the number one main attraction in the NBA. Like if I had a if I had a chance to say courtside to watch someone play, I think I would probably play pay to see John Morant right now. Who would you pick? Dude, he's he's filthy, bro. Uh I it's hard, right? Like if we're if we're talking like uh, but it's Luka Doncic. Actually, it's not hard. I lied. It, it's <laughs> not. Luka is is disgusting. Like just outright filthy. I watched him play the other night against the Magic in preseason. The dude just steps up and just takes these shots that you're like, nobody else in the league is willing to take those shots because they're afraid of how stupid it's going to make them look. He not only takes the shots, but he makes them. And he's talking about a guy who's just like methodical. He's not the quickest by any means, but he's methodical. And you look and you're like, man, how did he even get out there? Luca, that's, that's my guy that if I'm sitting courtside i get any star in the league to pay to go see it's it's gonna be luca dude one of the coolest takes i ever had was the year he was coming out and it was like him and Aiden. and i was saying i was like yo we had this debate on the show way back when and all the guys on the show were like yo it's Aiden, it's the big it's Aiden." and then there was that euro stigma with luca and i'm like dude this is the first like euro guy i actually watched real games of not highlight tapes because my my dad is Greek, like we're Greek, and we watch all the Champions League games and we watch Euro basketball. And we were seeing yeah. him cook at a young age. And it's like, bro, that's the second best league in the world. And there's professionals, there's there's old NBA guys there too. And Luca was just dogging them at 18 years old. Yeah. And it's like, yo, the future yeah. of the league is no longer that back to the basket big. Like, that ain't it. Give me the guard like that. And they're like, nah, yo, you're crazy. Eight and eight. And I was like, ah. That's a, that's a good one to have under my my umbrella. And and that's also good to have <laughs> content where you could go back and, you know, pull up the tapes, yeah. as they say. Uh, give me another yeah. one of yeah. the win totals. Do you have one more win total that's not a, a, a magic homer pick? Yeah, 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 yeah. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. I, I'll give you another young team. We've okay. talked about them. We've said their name a few times. It's the Cleveland Cavaliers, over 47 and a half wins. They had... 44 wins last year, Nick, and they went 14 and 21 in their last 35. I think you saw just like the youth of their team, the in the health of their team. It took a hit on them in those last 35 games, man. I think that if you're looking at the Cavs, it's got to be them. And and they're really like one of my sleeper teams too. The Cavs, I I'm I'm pairing them, you know, for that and a sleeper, man. Over 47 and a half wins. It just seems easy. Like they, they obviously add Donovan Mitchell. Mobley, he's nice. Okoro, Okoro, he's nice. Garland, obviously, Jared Allen coming off all star stuff. Like they love Levert. The list goes on and on with that team. That's a deep team. Teddy Osman, he's good. He paid his dues when the team was terrible. Fine. He's a good contributor. Rubio might be back this season too. I just don't see how they can't add four wins to last year's total. They, like I said, they go 14 and 21 those last 35 games. I think that that's, that's definitely another young and exciting team that I'm putting all my stock into. And now they seem to have a closer in Mitchell. 
So yep. you you have that wrinkle as well. Uh, Rubio yep. coming off the ACL. I don't know if he'll be. You know, he's up there in age now too. But for what he was a big part of them early on too, man. He seemed like he had all the young guys in check, and that was a veteran leadership. Like you want to have a nice balance of young young pieces that like are the core of your team, but you can't have like everybody be 25 years old. Like it's not going to work out. You need to have some grizzled vets. That's why like uh Donis Haslam is still in the league or, you know, he's basically <laughs> oh, an assistant coach. Just, be, yeah. 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 He's going to be playing until he's 90. But you need to have like, if you talk to any of these NBA guys that are, you know, like the, the guys that, are still playing maybe like five, six minutes a game. Like there's a, it's not just the production on the court that they're there. It's cause they got to keep yeah. these young guys in check and let them know like, yo, can't be doing shit like that. You can't be going on Twitter and being like, yo, Houston, what's good tonight? Like, nah, you can't be doing that shit. Like, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that, that's a telltale of, uh, uh, of when you have like these athletes, like put out those tweets and then they have their team go and scout out for prospects to have a good time. Uh, all right. Let's talk about MVP. Mm. I want you to give me two. Yeah, I mean, I want to. I always like doing this. First of all, I don't like betting favorites. That's not my thing. I rather take a chance in finding good odds, good value, something I feel like is mispriced. Last year, my yeah. pick was Jason Tatum to be the MVP. Mm. I got him at thirty to one back in New York when I was out there. I'm going back to that. It's not 30 to 1, but I like Tatum. He's 12 to 1 consensus right now to be the MVP. And there's a few things to this. You mentioned in passing before, you said the word, the narrative. Narrative with the NBA, whether it's uh, Coach of the Year, whether it's any award right now. And I do feel like a lot of these individual awards have become narrative-based. And... The turmoil with the Celtics right now and the head coach, he's away from the team. You have them losing in the finals, him coming back, the Mamba mentality. He looked up to Kobe, right? How would Kobe react losing to the finals? He come back, locked himself in the gym. They got better now with Brogdon over there. I think that's a massive upgrade for them too. Everything goes through Tatum, obviously. We all know that. And there was a clip that went viral last year at the All-Star Game where he went up to Joel Embiid and he said to him, hey, I hope you win MVP this year because this is your last one. He's like, I'm coming for that (laughs) next year. And then second half of the season was the Tatum that I bet on thinking that he was going to be doing that all year. So him at 12 to 1, I think they could still compete to be a top three seed. Historically, with the exception of one year, and everyone knows that, whether you think I'm salty or not, Russell Westbrook that year was not the MVP. It was James Harden. The three seasons after that, Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double, and every year he was lower and lower and lower in the MVP voting. But it was the narrative, right? That's a big buzzword when it comes to individual awards. And I think the talking point of them losing the finals, them having to weather the storm now without the head coach being there, a head coach who a lot of people were high on and, you know, we're coining him as he's the next one up. Then he has all the offseason stuff that goes down. I think my official pick is Jason Tatum to be the MVP this year. 
All right. That's your official. I like it. Obviously. I mean, like you said as well, like, you know, not necessarily going with a favorite, but someone who provides value. I'm going to go the favorite route. I'm going to, I'm not going to overthink it. I'm going with a narrative of a guy who should have been in the conversation more than he was last year. He wasn't a finalist. I'm going with Luka Doncic, the guy that I said I'd sit courtside for. He's, he's filthy. I think the Mavs, you know, could be able to do better than, than people expect. This Western Conference is absolutely star-studded. Every team is getting better. It's hard to really pinpoint where the Mavs are going to fit in. But I do know that if the Mavs are elevating, they will be there because of Luka Doncic. There's no doubt about it. So I, uh, I'm i going Luka for my, my MVP. I have a dark horse pick, too, if you're interested in hearing it. But uh, but uh, I'm going Luca there for for my official MVP pick. He would be the second youngest MVP winner since the '70s if he won the MVP this season. The Mavericks have the seventh highest win total in the West. History says you need to be at least a top three seed, with the exception of one, which yep. I mentioned, for you to be MVP. Last year, he averaged. 28, 9, and 9. Can he get 30 and average a triple-double? Do you think that's... Because that's what I think it would have to take. And I know I just shitted on Westbrook about winning MVP and averaging a (laughs) triple-double. But it would need to be something outrageous. Or if we think the Mavericks can win north of 50 to 55 games. I don't think they could. Luka, it's not a Luka issue. It's the same stuff that I was saying about right. like coming into this season, talking about the Tampa Bay Bucks. People would ask me about the Bucks. I'm like, yo, I don't like the Bucks this year. I think their offensive line is bad. They're like, yeah, but it's Brady. It's like, yeah, no, no shit. I know it's Brady. Brady isn't the issue. It's that they have right. issues in the front. And you've seen that play out through the first six, six games of the season. But it might be Brady now, too. Who knows? A lot of off-the-field stuff. But for the most part with— That's, yeah. For the most part with Luka, I think it's asking a lot for him to carry this team. I mean, I know we've seen him do it, but it's, it, it, I don't know, man. I don't think he cares. He doesn't care, man. Like that, I, I just think if anybody's going to do it at such a young age, you said, you know, obviously the second youngest since whenever you said, but and, and obviously you factor in the, the win total in the West, those sort of things. I, I just don't care because I think the league loves Luca so much that if he's able to do something like average 30, if he can average a triple-double, like that sort of thing. But I, I still think, like, how far off is he, right? Like, if he really wants to do it, 28 and a half, 9 and 9 last year, basically, I, I think that he's able to do it. There's a reason he's the favorite. The value might not be there necessarily to lay a fat bet on Luca to win the MVP. But if I'm having to guess and just give you a pick straight up, odds disregarded, it's going to be Luka Doncic. Four of the last five MVPs missed more than six games. They missed eight, 10, 10, and 10. So on average, I think they give you a pass for about 10 games missed. Three of the last six MVPs were not top two seeds. However, they were at least a three seed with the exception of Westbrook. And also, the average win total for teams that have the MVP has been 56 wins. 
So you need to get north of 55. That's also like the criteria for you to win a finals. Like you're not going to win the finals if you win 47 games. It's just historically, it doesn't happen. You need to be like in the 50s. So to me, Luka, Luka is the favorite and it's not a bad pick. I just don't trust the team around him to fulfill a lot of the requirements that are needed for him to get there. I, and I do think like Tatum, if we're doing Tatum versus Luka, like I think Tatum has an easier path in the East than what Luka has. I don't even think that's debatable with him being in the West. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I tell you real quick here? Sure. My, my dark horse MVP pick. You let me know what you think. I don't know the trends and all that, but I know this guy's good. <laughs> I know that he's, <laughs> he's back. I think he could be an MIP candidate maybe even, but MVP, if you look at a man, um, Zion Williamson. What do you think about Zion? He's looked good. He's plus 2,000 in the betting odds uh, per Vegas Insider. What do, what do you think about, about Zion and that pick real quick? The issue that I have is that it's been steamed up heavily. Um, prior to him coming back, and I think even like as far as like a month ago, you could have found them like 40 to one. So it's been cut in half. And I think with him showing up and now it's like, oh, he's not fat Zion anymore. He's taking the gym more serious. I was saying this, dude, when the Pelicans lost to the Suns last year. They're going to be this year's Memphis Grizzlies. I think they're going to surpass their win total. I think they have a lineup that can be vicious. I think they have a roster that is deep. And I think Zion, you're adding Zion now to that mix into a team that took the Suns to six games and had them up against the ropes. You got McCollum, who is away from the shadow of Damian Lillard and always being in these trade rumors. Brandon Ingram, Herbert Jones, Zion, Valanchunas. And then you got Graham. Dyson Daniels. Alvarado too, my boy. Like that, this is a team that I think can make some serious noise, man. And Zion is gonna have to look, he was an all NBA guy last time that he played. And I think with Zion, him coming back, it's not it's not a bad pick. I'm very high on the Pelicans. I think the Pelicans are gonna be a team that I'm gonna definitely put some money aside for because the thing with them is if you're looking at their odds to win the finals. They're, they're 40 to 1. If they end up being a top three seed in the playoff start, you're probably looking at them at 15 to 1. So betting on them now, I think you get the best of the number now as opposed to like once the season starts. And I think Zion is, yeah, Zion is definitely the X factor because if he could be a top 10 guy, like this team has serious upside. So I like that pick. That's a nice dark horse. I had a different one. I got a I got a dark horse MVP. Yeah. He's he's forty to one, All right. and this one's this one's kind of gross because mm. he also could play thirty games. But what do you think? <laughs> oh no! Who do you think I'm gonna say? Go ahead. I think Kawhi. You say like Anthony Davis. Nah, Kawhi. Okay. Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, we're taking the best player on a team that we think can win the finals. They're the third favorite. We haven't seen him play basketball in, what's it been, since like COVID in the bubble. Mm-hmm. It's the last time we saw him play. It's been like 18 months. And 
it's always been the same shit with Kawhi where you just don't know because he doesn't talk to anybody. So you don't know what's good with him. I think he could be interesting, man. This was, it was not too long ago prior to his injury where he was the top five guy in the league. How much has changed? Yeah. It's not like, yeah, he's coming off that serious injury, but he's also had a lot of time to heal from it. Same thing with Jamal Murray, yeah. not for MVP, but like these guys have had a lot of time to heal from it. I think Kawhi could be interesting at 40 to 1. You're taking the best player on a team that has a chance to win the finals. Now, again, he might he might also play right. like 40 games. So we don't know. Yeah. But yeah. I think that, that, that that's kind of like what it plays into for me too. It's just you don't know. You you don't know what he's gonna do. It's it, it's the same thing I was saying about why I wouldn't touch a Clippers win over under for the Littles. You just don't know. Like you said, he could play 30, 40 games. But then again, and obviously the MVP doesn't factor into this, but he could obviously be playing lights out in the postseason. Mm. Just like the king of load management coming off of an injury, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I do know in postseason, um, I'm going to be definitely laying money down the Clippers uh, pretty heavily. NBA Finals. Give me a prediction. Or you know what? Give me, give me your, your conference finals matchups and then give me your finals. Okay. So I'm going with Magic okay, and Knicks. So I'll, I'll start with yeah, yeah. Magic and Knicks line it up. Uh, no <laughs> doubt about it. And, um, no, so I, I'm going to go my Eastern Conference. Uh, my picks there are I'm going to go Boston and Philly. I think that would be a fun conference finals. So I'm going Boston and Philly there. Now, I'm going to go to the, as far as the West Conference, Western Conference finals, I'm going to go Clippers and Golden State. So Clippers, Golden State, uh, Philly, Boston, meeting in the finals is going to be Philly and the Clippers and the Clippers taking it home, winning the championship. Wow. Philly, huh? Okay. I also have Philly in yeah. the conference finals. But I got them I got them playing Milwaukee. I think okay. Milwaukee might be on a Kansas City Chiefs type of run this year. Um and what I mean by that is like I feel like a lot of people are talking about everyone but Milwaukee. And they have a huge gripe with the injury to happen to Middleton. Like, I, I think they go back and they win the finals last year if Middleton don't go down. And Giannis is still there at the, you know, best player in the world probably. Or he's, if not first, he's second. Like, he's in that conversation. I got the Bucks. I also have the 76ers as well, um, which scares me a little bit because I'm, I'm putting my my trust in James Harden in the playoffs who no one has lost more money on James Harden in the futures market than me. And no one has been more critical of James Harden than me on this show when it comes to just like, he's just not a playoff guy. Um, it's just time and time again. So it is a little sketchy that I'm, I'm picking them to be in the conference finals. And then on the flip side, I have, I have the Clippers and the Warriors as well, but I think though I know we didn't spend too much time on the Warriors, yeah. but trusting that franchise, you know, one of these young guys are going to make a massive leap like Jordan Poole did. Like Poole, yep. Poole last year became a guy who you know was a third splash brother, and he was a, such a pivotal part of their rotation. Where Kaminga, Moody, 
Wiseman. Yep. Like Wiseman's another wild card. This dude was a top three pick. Yep. Like if this guy, and I trust the infrastructure in Golden State that one of these guys is going to take a massive leap. Where I'm a little hesitant is like, yo, Draymond Green dropped, <laughs> Superman punched someone on his team. <laughs> like that's, that's, that's wild, bro. Like how are you going to go into battle with this dude now? Now, could athletes t- be a little more like passive on, of that than like you and I are? But if one of my boys just cold clocked me out of nowhere, I don't know if I could be as close with him as we want. And then you got to play 82 plus a postseason with that man who knocked you out cold and the video is out there. Oh, boy. Dude, I just, I can't imagine that. That situation baffles me. And you know, Draymond Green's in a contract year too. He's going to want to get paid as well. So it's, I'm a little worried about that, but yeah, Steph and Clay and just the infrastructure and, and Kerr over there, I trust them. And, I think it's going to be Golden State and Milwaukee. And I, I got Milwaukee mm-hmm. winning the finals. Wow. I think Giannis is, yeah. you know, Giannis, you see this happen in bunches. Like the, these like, I hate using the word generational because it gets tossed around like it's nothing. But like these like iconic players that come around, they go on these runs where they win multiple MVPs or multiple finals. And if it wasn't for the injury last year, I think that's what ends up happening with with Giannis. And I think they're bringing back a really good roster, man. And they got the experience. And I think now they got a chip on their shoulder. So I got I got the Bucks beating the Warriors in the NBA Finals. I don't I don't hate it. Obviously, it's it's Milwaukee. They're proven, right? You just happen to run into a very good Boston team. Takes you to you know you go to seven with them. It's there are so many teams in the league this year, man, that could make the conference finals. It's actually wild we ended up with the amount of teams that we did that are similar in the conference finals, honestly, with how many teams could make noise come postseason. So I, I don't hate the Bucks pick at all, man. I mean, look, I'm definitely going to have tickets on the Pelicans to to maybe win the West. It's the same thing. I jumped on I jumped on Memphis around December of last year. I got them at really good odds to to get there. And I thought like the I started looking at the roadmap in the middle of the season. Like if you're gonna avoid these teams until the conference finals, and I felt like the team to beat in the West was Phoenix. And I felt like if they could finish as a two seed or a three seed, they could avoid Phoenix until the conference finals. And then it's, you know, whatever happens there at that point. I don't like having futures tickets that don't make it at least to the conference championship. If they get there, I'm like, you know what, that's a good call. But after that, like if, if my team doesn't even make the playoffs, that's a little devastating. Or if my team like gets bounced in the first round, like that sucks. But for the most part, I like looking at the roadmap. So I'll definitely be keeping my eye on that. If I could say, you know what, the Pelicans, man, they can maybe get they can maybe get to a three seed and avoid whoever Golden State until the conference finals. That's something that I'll be monitoring throughout the season. But Luke, this was fun, man. I finally got to do a pod with you. And uh, based off the vibe and, and our conversations, I think this won't be the last. And uh, I appreciate you coming on, man. Next time, they'll be a little bit more structured and more well-planned, but you came through when I needed you. No, I, I appreciate it, man. It's uh, it's awesome. I've gotten to see, you know, obviously, you grow. The fact that you're out there in Vegas now is insane. I feel like I got to witness it firsthand just by, you know, talking to you and seeing your stuff on social media, man. It's uh, It's awesome. You keep crushing it. And uh, I know you will. I appreciate that, man. You're you're definitely, as they say, a day one. So 
That means a lot. Where can they find you on social media and plug uh, your show one more time? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Twitter is the only place really worth following me unless you just want to see pictures of my daughter and son and wife on Instagram for, for the rest of time. Um, but no, Twitter at LukeSylvia96. And then you can follow the show. Really, more importantly, follow the show at Six Man Show on Twitter, Instagram. You can even find us on Facebook for anybody that still uses Facebook. Uh, YouTube as well. Uh, we post all of our episodes there. Um, got a lot of really fun stuff happening. Just posted an episode today, actually, Nick, where we're giving away a signed Shaquille O'Neal jersey. Um, and so you guys can kind of find that latest episode of the Six Man Show. Um, you know, I don't know what you know when this gets released here, but uh, released it our episode on October seventeenth, uh, that Monday. So uh, feel free. We're opening it for the next few days here. Dope, man. That's awesome that you're doing a giveaway like that. Maybe I'll join it and you could do a little frozen envelope for me so I could get that autographed jersey or what? What do you think? Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll make sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We might be able to pull some strings. I'll see. I'll see. At Nick Day is 10 is where you can find me. Veteransminimum.com is where you can find everything for the show. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, the Patreon, tables, ladders, and chairs. Oh, my. We will catch you guys next time. Mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.